Thanks for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange, visit www.theexchange.cc. Or you can join us for one of our Sunday gatherings each Sunday at 8.30, 10, and 11.30 a.m. Hey, uh, throughout the month of January in 2019, we've been walking through a series together talking about priorities, uh, talking about reshaping the things that shape our life so much, that shape our life above all things. And so today, um, man, as you just heard, we're, we want to talk about the priority of worship, the priority of worship in our lives. And what does that mean for us? How does that reshape who we are? And so I want to kind of tell you the roadmap for what we're going to do today um, over the next little bit. And we're going to open up God's Word and we're going to dig into Scripture and talk about worship from what God's Word says. And then today we're going to end with an opportunity for all of us together again, just as we said, I'm sorry, then in a chance to reflect and, and respond in worship to God to say, God, this is, this is what I believe about you. This is what I think and this is my response to you. You know, the reality is when I say the word worship, chances are all of us in a room of this size and even those listening online, you, you think of something different. We all think of something different. For some of you, uh, maybe you think about a certain song or a certain band because like that's your favorite. Um, or for some of you, when you hear the word worship, you think of the worship choir, right? Like back at Grandma's Church where you grew up and they did the cantatas and the specials right at the holidays. Or for some of you, maybe you think about a certain radio station that you listen to that man just kind of interjects uh, uh, hope and joy into your day on the way to work or on the way home from school. Um, Or maybe for some of you, maybe a lot of us today, when I say that word worship, um, what you think about first, because you live in this church culture that we live in, you think about like that 18 to 20 minute period, um, like before the preacher talks, right? There's worship and then there's the word. And so like, you're like, well, sometimes I like the worship. Sometimes I like the word. Sometimes I like both of them. Or maybe for some of you, you're like, or I'm not really the worshiping kind. Like I really like the word kind, but I come in a little bit late. And you see, we have all these different interpretations about worship, what worship means. You know, Jesus said some very powerful, some very clear and direct things about worship in his word. And so if you have a copy of scripture, kind of our main verse for today is going to come from John chapter four. John chapter four, um, if you look at it together with me, here's what Jesus himself said. Look at John four twenty three. It said, yet a time is coming and has now come. When the true worshipers will worship the father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. Jesus said, hey, the time is coming and has now come when there will be true worshipers who will seek the Father. And so we have to assume today if there's such things as true worshipers, then there's also such things as as false worshipers. But what Jesus is saying is he says, for they, talking about the true worshipers, he says, they are the kind of worshipers that God the Father seeks. That God's looking for people who are true worshipers, true responders to who he is. Now notice, it says the Father was not seeking um, the best communicators, the the most charismatic leaders, um, the richest of people, the most famous people, the people with the most influence, um, the people with the most Instagram followers in today's culture. It says Jesus, God, God says, that's not what he's looking for, but it says the Father is searching for, he's intensely looking for true worshipers. Now, Here's where you may be today. Maybe for some of you, you go, hey, man, like I'm a follower of Jesus. I've been a Christian for five years or 10 years or 25 years, but I'm like, I'm just not really a, an awesome worshiper. Like that's just, and, and, and I would say different to you that 
No, you are a worshiper. You see, we're, we're all worshipers. Worship is simply revealing and showing value to what we believe to be most valuable. That's worship. Worship is showing value, revealing what we value as worthy of our attention, our affection, and our response. And so here's what I know, man, all of us, okay, have worshiped probably on some level, whether you realize it or not. If you've ever been to a sporting event before where your favorite team was playing and maybe they did decently well, all right, then chances are you probably responded a little bit, did you not? Like you probably celebrated, you might have even crept that over into some worship. Um, Or maybe you're like a music connoisseur and you go to concerts and you went to your favorite artist concert and everybody was there and you're on the front row and chances are... You worshiped. I want to show you some images real quick, all right, of some, some really amazing worship. So you guys, you guys take a look at some of these pictures right here. Maybe you can envision yourself in some of those, all right, right there. Like, I mean, look at that. Do you see the worship that is happening? There's, so he shouldn't do that. Um, there is passion. There's passion, man. There's enthusiasm. He should not wear that. Um, there's exuberance. Man, there, do you see the joy and the passion in those expressions? The reality is that is some amazing worship. Like, I'm, I mean, I'm just calling it what it is. Like, that's some amazing worship. Now, the reality is it's a really bad God. It's a really bad God. But some amazing worship. Now, this is not a knock on an athlete or on a team or on a certain band. But the reality is in our world, we have some amazing worship of a not-so-great God. But unfortunately, on the other hand, many times we have the complete opposite in the church. In the world, we have amazing worship, really good worship of a bad God, but sometimes in the church, many times in the church, we have not-so-good worship of a really good God. Like, Maybe that even happened today, right? Like we, we built in kind of about a 20-minute section right there where we, we worship together. Like the band led us to think and respond to who God, we, who, to who God is. And so let me, let me ask you this. Like just honestly, as you evaluate where you are over the last 33 minutes of our gathering today, like um, just a while ago, like did you, I mean, did you experience God's presence in that moment a while ago? Like, did, did, you, did you respond to who God is? Like, from, from, a, from a deep part of who you are, not like a surface level, but from a deep part of who you are, did you express gratitude to God for who he is? Or, or did you just kind of make it to your seat, kind of stand as an observer and listen to the band sing some songs? You see, Jesus, he talked about this. And he used the words of an Old Testament prophet by the name of Isaiah, and he talked about the worship of what he called, or what we call today, the hypocrites. And I want you to see what Jesus said. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 8, Jesus said these very direct words. He says, these people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And then the beginning of verse 9 says, they worship me in vain. Jesus said the worship of the hypocrites was in vain. Or we could say today, it wasn't true worship. It wasn't true worship. So what I want to do today is I want to help you make worship a priority that shapes your life. By today allowing God's word to shape your response back to God. To shape your expression 
to God. Here's what Psalm chapter 100 verse 1 says about worship. Look at this together. It says, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Like that includes you and me. And then here's what it says. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who has made us and we are his. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. So here's what we're about to do. Verse 4. We're going to enter his gates with thanksgiving. We're going to walk into his courts with praise. We're going to give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. That's our God. Like that's the goodness and the promises of God that were not just written in the Psalms, but are real for your life. And so as a result of that, worship must be a priority in our life. There must be a response of worship. The truth is, I believe that we were designed for one main reason. You and I were created for one main reason. You woke up today with breath in your lungs and a heartbeat in your chest for one reason, whether you acknowledge it or not, and that is to worship God. That there would be a response to give worth and value and worship to God. That's what God designed and created you for. And I honestly believe, and I hope that you'll see today, that when worship becomes a priority in our life, it will completely reshape who you are. It will reshape who you are. Now look back again with me to John chapter 4. Let's read verse 23 again as we set the stage for where we're going to go today. Verse 23, Jesus says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father, worship God, in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is looking for true worshipers, people who make worship a response to God, a priority in their life. God's seeking those people. And so how, how do we become those people? Today, I want to give you just three characteristics, all right, if you're taking notes, that I believe we see in Scripture that should be relevant and and present in the life of a true worshiper, okay? So here's the first one, if you're taking notes today, is that true worshipers worship with awe. True worshipers will worship God with awe, sense of awe. Here's what Scripture says, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. It says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Scripture says, for those who are in Christ, those Christ followers in the room today, we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That's really good news this morning. That means nothing in your past, nothing going on in your present right now, nothing in your future can shake what Jesus has done for you on the cross. Can't take it away. Just can't. That's good news. And so then scripture says, because we're receiving that kingdom, he says, let us be thankful. Here's the reality today. Gratitude, it's the gateway. It's the bridge into worship. And for some of you, that's the problem. Like you can't remember the last time you've been grateful for anything much less what God has done. But gratitude, it opens that door because it changes our perspective on things to think rightly about God. And so what we realize here is that Hebrews says, let us be thankful because we got the kingdom that's not shaken. And it says, worship God acceptably with reverence and with, you remember what it says? With what? With awe. 
that we would worship God with all. Now, when I say that all right, in our context this morning, a lot of you are like, worship God with all, like that doesn't mean a whole lot. Here's why. Because our culture has so polluted and diluted the power of that, the power of that word all. Like, here's, here's an example, okay? If I was to look at you and go, man, how are those tacos that you had from the Taco Bell this week? Some of you would be like, they were awesome, all right? Tacos, awesome. Taco Bell, awesome. Crunchy burrito, mm-hmm. That's it, all right? That's awesome. That's how some of you think, all right? I'd rather go to Wendy's, but you like Taco Bell. Some of you, if I said, hey, you caught that new series on Netflix, you were like, shoot, yeah, I binge-watched it all day yesterday. It was awesome, right? That's what you would say. Or fellas, all right, how many times your girl walks in the room, she's like, hey, baby, these jeans make me look good? Fellas, that's a test, all right? The answer is, you look awesome, all right? That's what you say, okay? You look awesome. No, here's the reality, though, okay? What we're saying is we use this word are awesome to describe all these things that are by nature very normal things. So when we talk about worshiping God with awe, what does that even mean? Well, the Greek word for this is the word phobos. It's where we get the word phobia. And here's what it's driving to the root of to say that what it means is that there is a reverent fear, reverent fear for the power and the holiness of God. Or we could say it this way, God is the only one who is awesome, period. He's the only one who's worthy of that level of movement and worth and value in our life. Now, we get glimpses of all as we walk on this earth, right? Like for some of you, maybe you've taken the trip to the Grand Canyon. I've never been, but I've seen pictures. And maybe you walked up for the first time and you were like, holy, all right, that's awesome. Like, that's incredible. Or maybe like you saw for the first time a sunset, man, across the ocean. You got the condo on the beach and you, man, like that's awesome, is it not? Or if you're a parent, man, the first time you held that little baby of yours, That's awesome. But can I just ask you this? Man, if we're moved to that sense of awe for created things, how much more awe should we have for the creator of those things? The one who literally breathed those things into existence. The one who wakes up the moon every morning and brings out the stars at night. That's the movement of awe. So how do we have that kind of awe? What does that look like? Well, the psalmist gives us a little snippet. Look at this verse, Psalm 95, verse 6. David says this. He says, come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Psalm says there is a position that should be extremely common for anyone who is a follower of Jesus. And that is this. To bow down. Now I realize for some of you, this may feel awkward for you. It may even be uncomfortable. But when we bow down, we are lowering ourselves and we are elevating God in us. Now the reality is he didn't have to be elevated. He's already at the highest place, whether you're going to give it to him or not. But when we bow down, there's something symbolic where we are humbling and lowering ourselves and we're saying, God, you are above all things in my life. And maybe you're not comfortable to do that in like this setting, 
But man, I hope that there's a place in your life, maybe a room in your house or a time in your day or your week where as you pray, as we talked about last week, or as you worship, where you can bow down to go, God, I lift you up and I'm posturing myself in a way that just says what's going on in here and right here. I'm showing you right here. See, we read it in scripture, do we not? Let me just look at the Christmas story that we looked at a month ago. The, the wise men, the three magi, they come to Jesus, and what do they do? They present him these extravagant gifts, and then what do they do? They bow down. Men of great power bowed before a baby because he was the Savior. Or Jesus calls Peter, and what is Peter's response? Peter bows down. And Scripture tells us, it says that one day, one day, a day is coming where every knee will bow. Whether, whether you're into it, whether you believe or you don't believe, you're going to bow. It says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, that he is highest above all things. That day is coming. And so here's what I'm saying to us this morning. If scripture says that's what's going to happen in heaven, why don't we go ahead and get some practice on earth? You with me? See, true worshipers will worship God with awe because he moves us in that way. And so can I just ask you a very honest question for you to reflect and consider right now? When was the last time that you were moved by God's presence in such a way that it moved you to worship from awe? When was it? You see, I believe when, when worship is a priority in our life and it's shaping us, there will be moments where we're moved in such a way by the goodness and the greatness and the holiness of God that we'll worship with awe. It'll move us to that place. So see, true worshipers, they worship God with awe. But there's a second characteristic that I want us to grab today, and that's that true worshipers, they worship with abandon. True worshipers will worship God with abandon. Now, what does that mean in this context? Here's what I think that means. I think that means that worship should be fun. That worship is passionate. Worship is exciting. And it even means this, okay? And maybe some of you had that moment like a little bit a while ago. It means that if somebody who really maybe doesn't fully understand what's going on, they might think that you're a little bit crazy, all right? a little bit cray-cray, okay, because of the way that you respond to God. Because you get that excited and they're like, eh, something a little off on her. It's that one moment on Sunday and it's different, all right? Worshiping with abandon. Here's what these verses say in the Old Testament. Look at this illustration. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 14. It says, Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. Now, you may ask, why in the world was David dancing? David, don't miss this, he was the king of Israel. He had all the power in the land, but he's dancing in this moment because in 2 Samuel 6, what we're seeing is a story where there's this holy chest that God had, had instructed Moses and the Israelites to build. It was this huge, ornate chest called the Ark of the Covenant. And inside the ark were three incredibly important things to these people. One, there was a jar of manna from when the Israelites had wandered in the wilderness, wilderness and God had provided Second, and there were these broken tablets that were part of the Ten Commandments, right, that God gifted to Moses. And also in there was a staff of Aaron's. And so this ark was of the greatest importance because this ark, literally in this ark, was the power of the presence of God 
on earth in that moment, and everybody wanted the ark. Like, if you had the ark and you took it into battle, chalk that up as a W. You winning. The ark was the power of the presence of God. And David, David had retaken over Jerusalem, and he had conquered the Philistines. And one of his final life purposes was this, that he wanted to get the ark back into the holy city, into the temple. That's all David wanted. And he was trying to return the ark, get the ark back. And in 2 Samuel chapter 6, what we're reading here is, it happened. God made it happen. He defeated the enemies and the ark was coming back to the temple. And David, our poor boy, he can't contain himself. He's cutting a rug. He's responding to God. He's celebrating. He's worshiping. And he's getting his groove on in worship before a holy God because he didn't know what else to do. And if you know the story, it's kind of funny. His wife says, David, you're embarrassing me. Right? I know no wives in here have ever said that to their husband. Let's just, I know it hasn't, but in David's life, that happened. And his wife said, David, you, you're embarrassing me. You're the king of all Israel. What are you doing? Like, aren't you ashamed of what's going on? And I want you to see David's response. Look at this, 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 21. He says, I will celebrate before the Lord. Verse 22, David just goes off. He says, I will become even more undignified than this. I will be humiliated in my own eyes. David says, I'm willing to look even more foolish than this. In other words, worshipers, true worshipers, aren't afraid to let loose a little. Worshipers, true worshipers, are not ashamed or embarrassed to tell God how grateful they are to express that for what he's done in their life. Now, here's the problem, okay? And we we had it happen today. When you walk into a, a church auditorium or worship gathering space, sanctuary, whatever you want to call it, okay, the architecture of the room sends a very weird message, Like, think about it. When you walked in the door, say you came in the back, and up front was this big stage, and it had these people on it, and the lights were on them, and the sound was coming from them, okay, and all the eyes were on them. It seemed like they were doing all these things towards you, to you. So, like, if you walked in today, and you had very little church context, it would be super easy for you to assume that you were the audience today. But can I tell you something? You're not. You're never the audience. There is an audience, but it's not you. So every time like we gather in this place, when we are followers of Jesus together, we're gathering as like God's assembled holy choir together, which means it's not about us. So we can never get caught up in going, well, like, they didn't play the song I like. I like this song, but they played this song, right? Or it was a little too loud, or a little too soft. It wasn't really what I wanted it to be. We can't say that because the worship is not to the audience of us, but it's to the audience of one singular, the Almighty God. And as we gather today, as His church, the body of Christ, the audience goes all the way right up to Him. And the response is all His as we lift Him up above all things. So true worshipers will worship God with abandon. And maybe for you today, like as I talk about that, maybe like inside you're going like, man, that's a... That's a real struggle, like, in my life. Because maybe for some of you, like, you go, man, there's moments where, like, I'm, I want to worship like that. Like, I want to lift my hands or, or close my eyes or maybe even, like, move a little bit because God's, he's filling me with gratitude. But 
you thought, I don't, I don't know what other people around me might think. Like, I, I don't even know what my spouse would think. Or my, my parents or my friends, like, what would, what, would they, what would they say? Can I remind you today? They're not your audience. So who cares what they think? You see, I believe that all of us should get to that place where there are moments of gratitude that Jesus has erased the sin debt from our life and the old has been made new and the dead has been brought back to life in us. And because of that, it should move us sometimes to a place of gratitude. We have to express it with our mouth, with our face, with our hands, with all of who we are. Because true worshipers that the Father is seeking, they'll worship God with awe and they'll worship God with abandon. There's, there's, there's one final characteristic today that I want us to see, and that, that is that true worshipers will worship with intimacy. True worshipers will worship with intimacy. In Psalm 27, verse 4, um, David writes these words. He says, one thing I ask from the Lord, and this only am I seeking, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Now, again, remember, David, man after God's own heart. He, in this moment, he probably could have asked God for anything that he wanted, and most likely, God would have told him yes. Those were his options. But in this moment, you just read it with me, David said, there's only one thing I'm after. Only one thing that I desire, and that is that I would dwell in the house of the Lord and then my eyes would just always be fixed on the beauty of the Lord. David says, that's my desire. That's it. I can I tell you something today, church? My desire is that that would be your one desire too. That just like David, above all things of this earth, that your desires would be for God, his presence and his power and his purposes in your life alone. That's it. See, it's kind of like um, my relationship with my wife, Heather. Um, we just celebrated 10 years back in November. I know you should give her a round of applause for putting up with me for 10 years. That is a chore in itself, all right? But you know what? There's, there's so, many things that I, so many things that I love about my wife, so many different things. As I was thinking this week, like I love how she encourages and supports me, Man, she is behind me every step of the way. I love how she laughs at my corny jokes, okay? It makes me feel like I'm funny sometimes when nobody else does. She helps me feel like I'm funny. Um, I love how she loves and cares for our kids. Um, she's an amazing mom. Uh, I love the way that she loves, genuinely loves God's word. And that is, man, what drives and leads her in her obedience in her life. Um, I love the generosity and the compassion that she has for other people. She's amazing at thinking about other people. I'm not. She is. If you've ever received a great gift from my family, she bought it, not me. Okay, just being real with you today. She's amazing at that. Um, I love the way that she looks when she gets all dressed up with makeup on and all her all herself did, right? I like that. And I like the way that she looks on a lazy day at home with no makeup on. I love the way, man, that she serves as a servant in so many ways behind the scenes in our family to help people literally of, of all different ages connect with Jesus. So I, I love all these different things about her, but listen to me, I love all these things not because I know these things about her, but because I have a personal relationship with her. I know her intimately. I know her heart. I know what makes her tick know what she likes and what she doesn't like. Can I tell you something today, church? 
God wants you to know him that way too. He knows you that way. But he longs for you to know him that way. Not just to know about him, but to know him. You know the only way that comes about? It's when he becomes a priority and you spend time in his presence. Time bowed down before him. Time lifting him up. Time in his word. Time in prayer like we talked about last week. And here's the crazy thing that happens as you spend that time with him. You don't just know these things about God, but you know the living God. And it changes and it reshapes who you are. True worshipers, they worship God with awe because they're like, they're literally moved in wonder sometimes at the amazement of who God is. True worshipers, they're not afraid to worship with abandon. They're not, they're not ashamed, they're not embarrassed because God's done something in them and they have to express it somehow. True worshipers will worship God with intimacy because he's not just somebody they know about, but he's somebody that they know. True worshipers are the worshipers that the Father is seeking. I'm going to take you back to one of the most powerful and pivotal moments in my faith journey. It came the summer after my junior year in college. And just honestly with you today, I had just walked out of one of the most broken, darkest um, seasons of my life where I had walked in some things and chased some things that I knew were against God's desires for me. But my flesh sinfulness inside of me had gotten the best of me. And through some different circumstances and some different people that God used in my life, he broke me. And he humbled me. And that needed to happen. And he caused me to get to a place of repentance, which needed to happen. And ultimately in that, he allowed me to know and experience the power and the beauty of his grace and his redemption in my life. A few months later, after my junior year, I was a college leader on a trip, a summer trip with some junior high and high school students from our church to a summer camp. And I'll never forget, we were there with hundreds of other kids from a lot of other churches. And I'll never forget one night as we worshiped together, kind of one of the main gathering times, I stood at the top of the balcony of the big auditorium that we were in, and there was a band on stage, and we were all singing songs together. And I'll never forget, as I was standing there, I don't even remember what we were singing, but I became just overwhelmed with gratitude for the forgiveness and the grace of God that was in my life. And I was so overjoyed with the victory and the freedom that he had brought to, to my life, that I began to sing the songs that we were singing, but I wasn't just singing them because that's what we were meant to do. But I was singing them because they, they meant something. And as I responded to God, I began to lift my hands and worship to God for the first time ever. And I sang at the top of my lungs and I lifted my hands as high as I could. Because I knew, I knew with a shadow of a doubt that I was loved, that I was forgiven, that I was redeemed, and I just had to tell God, thank you. And I, I mean, I can't really describe to you in words today 
the feelings of joy and freedom that I felt in that moment. But it wasn't some emotional, um, man-generated, coerced feeling that I had. But in that moment, I knew that God's grace and God's forgiveness and God's love was real for me. And I just had to do something with it. And I responded in awe and with abandon and with intimacy. And I can tell you today without a shadow of a doubt that as a junior in college standing at the top of the auditorium in that college in Tennessee as a college leader on that trip, fresh out of a season of brokenness and redemption in my life, that moment right there, that moment changed and shaped my worship forever. Forever. See, Jesus said, time is coming. In fact, the time has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. But that's the kind of worshipers the Father is seeking. So let me ask you today, church, what kind of worshiper are you? Honestly, as a student, as a husband, as a mom, what kind of worshiper are you? Are you somebody who just kind of goes through the motions week to week and stands by as an observer? Or could you honestly say today, That if God sought you out, he would find you as a true worshiper who worships with awe and with abandon and with intimacy because you know him. See, worship, worship will shape you. So today I wonder, will you make worship such a priority in your life that it begins to reshape who you are? Let's pray together. Thanks again for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange or to find out how you can connect with or support what God is doing, visit www.theexchange.cc. Now go, be the church, and give life.